It can be a gift when we have some time and space to pause, to breathe, to be present in our bodies and pay attention to what we're feeling and what we really need. And we may not always have the luxury of that space as we move through life with all the other things that call for and maybe even demand our attention. fullness and busyness of our lives, we may not believe we have any attention left to give our bodies and our needs, or that the needs of our bodies may get in the way of other things that matter to us. Welcome to Soma-ing, the podcast that explores how and why the capacity to pay attention to the experience in our bodies actually really matters and can support anything and everything that's important to us. I'm Dr. Twyla Kovalenko, movement facilitator, dancer, somatic educator, and coach. And I invite you to join me as I interview some amazing humans who share personal stories of how being able to pay attention to the experience in their bodies has made a real difference in what matters to them and where they share simple and practical ways you can pay more attention to your body throughout your day-to-day and support what matters to you. Welcome, Annette. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm so grateful that you've agreed to be on my pilot of this series of Soma-ing and to share your experience and your stories and your wisdom um, so I, I'm going to, I, would love to introduce you and then maybe you can introduce yourself and add to, cause there's a lot more. Yeah. 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 So, um, I've known Annette, I think a couple years we met sort of in crossing being in, in similar fields and in Annette's work in focusing. Um, but we really got connected when we, um, we the same coaching program, um, thinking into results with Hina Khan and um, really saw some some connection and overlap in our work. And so over the past, I guess it's a year and a half now that Annette and I have been cultivating our friendship and we're in a mastermind together. Um, so I get a chance to really learn from and grow uh, with your, your knowledge and your wisdom and um, yeah, as you know, in our businesses and what matters to us. So um, I love what you do, and I'm really excited for you to to share to share with our audience. Um, yeah, the work that you do, and what can make a difference in their life. Beautiful. Thank you so much um, for that. And yeah, it's been great to get to know you. And um, I guess to add to who I am. Um, one of the things I always like to talk about is that I grew up in Northern Ontario and spent a lot of time in nature and Mm -hmm. so the environment and uh, sustainability are really dear to my heart. And, um, what we're going to talk about today, focusing is a practice that I realized eventually the reason I was so drawn to learning it and teaching it was that it helps us be in our body. And when we're in our body, 
we can be more connected to the earth and, and make decisions that are that are better for the earth. So I'm um, thrilled to be here to talk about that and, and the practice. And mm. Yay. Yeah. Hey, I'm so excited for you to share and, and to learn more about you. You know, uh, I'm sure this, there's stories that, that, I, I, that I don't know. Um, so, you know, the focus of the series is really to provide our listeners or watchers, uh, audience, um, with, with stories from, from your life of um, how you've been able to cultivate more capacity to attend to, to pay attention to your body and, and how that's made a difference for you in something that really matters to you, like how you've been able to use that. And um, yeah, so I'd love for you to share, share an area of your life um, where you've really seen the difference by being able to have this capacity to attend to what you're feeling inside. Beautiful. Yeah. So I have a story that is um, comparison. So I had two breakups in my life that one was well before I learned focusing and one well after. So it's a really nice comparison about how my body um, coped with the breakup. So the first one, I was in my mid twenties and somebody broke up with me and I think I cried for six months. I just, it was the same thing. It was the I would cry and I would get really flooded. I would be really um, in the crying. It was cathartic. And then I would fall asleep. So I would shift in my nervous system from that sympathetic fight, flight, flooded place to a dorsal, um, that's a technical word, but that um, shut down, um, collapse place where I would fall asleep. Mm. And it would just be this cycle, nothing would change uh every day <laughs> this crying and so there was no what we call in focusing carrying forward which is a beautiful word to say that there's something changing that we're getting an insight that we can see the world a little bit differently um so uh about how long ago now seven years ago or so uh yeah. years i um i learned focusing i, I learned it first with uh, uh in therapy and, and then I learned the practice and, and learned to, to teach it. And mm -hmm. focusing on practice, just to, to take a step back, is a practice where we really listen to the body and we notice really subtle, murky, vague physical feelings because the, the body speaks to us in whispers. Uh, and we call that place that we're attending to physically the felt sense. And so there's... A, a lot of information that comes first in these just kind of small little sensations that normally most people probably don't realize are there. They inform them. Uh, there's this uh, saying, story follows state. So when we, you know, when we're feeling anxious, we, we, might, we might not notice the anxiousness if it's just subtle, but we'll be, we'll be changed because of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, Fast forward to a breakup that I had about oh, 2016, late 2016, early 2017. So this is a, um, a couple of years into really training for focusing and, and knowing the practice. And what would happen was really different. I would, I would, there was periods of crying, but every time I cried, um, 
I would learn something about myself. I would, there would be a word, a phrase that would come out mm. and notice why I was crying that day. There were like, there, there were all these, what we couldn't call facets, like these different strands mm. that this breakup and my relationship to uh, previous trauma. And it, so there was fears of abandonment. There was fears of being alone um, that would come up and they were really distinct, like feelings like, oh, they're not going to come back or um, I forget now. There were lots of them. I'd have to look in my notebook because there were eight or so that came out. And, and so each time I was in the crying, it wasn't just this loop. It, I didn't get really as flooded. I stayed more grounded. So there was a part of me that was crying and there was another part of me that was grounded and holding space for myself. So I really learned through focusing to be compassionate with myself. This beautiful session yeah. where you can like hold space for yourself. And it's, it's interesting because so often we are the most um, mean to ourselves. We would mm. never speak to other people sometimes the way we speak to ourselves. Yeah. And it's such a powerful thing to learn to be with ourselves the way we are with the most tender um, mm. people in our lives. And so in doing that, that created space for those words to come, for, for this carrying forward, this movement, this healing to happen. And so that breakup, while equally painful in many ways, it didn't draw out for so long. And I learned and I, I felt like it really grew through that breakup because I knew more about myself because the, the, the pain, like the triggers were, were helping me heal things from the past rather than just being stuck in this loop. Yeah. yeah. And so instead of going back and forth from these dead ends, like I, I wouldn't have that experience of letting myself flood and then falling asleep because I didn't ever flood so much. Um, mm. Kind of going, I'm putting hands on two sides because I'm in my head. I have this mental image of uh, the model of my focusing teacher, Jan Winhall, has this felt sense polyvagal model, which is the model of the nervous system. Mm. And, um, and uh, her, her addition to the, the idea of the nervous system is really that when we, uh, when we have bad habits or addictions, when we get stuck in these loops, we're really just helping ourselves physically shift, like neurophysiologically shift from mm -hmm. that flight to that shutdown or vice versa. And, and so I really saw that in the first breakup where like I would have these shifts of going from crying too much and then sleeping. And that with focusing practice, mm -hmm. I could, when I, when the tears would come, when the wounded wouldn't come, I could learn something new and shift um, back down to grounded. Mm. Yeah. And so there's a real difference. Like sometimes when we think of tears, you know, some tears are helpful. They, they bring knowledge and, and they, or sometimes they are a release and other yeah. times tears get us stuck in this loop and they're not helpful. They're just, yeah. they're yeah. compelling. We like it. It's, it's like, mm -hmm. um, but they don't carry us forward. Yeah, it, it sounds and it sounds like because of doing this work, you can better discern because I know for me, sometimes when I get in a teary place, then it's like, I'm not, sometimes I'm not even clear, like, is this, is this helpful? Or am I just kind of like, 
spiraling in circles. Um, and it sounds like you you're you know you've cultivated the capacity to to discern that and to cultivate more of that forward moving releasing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So instead of getting stuck in the dead end, says Jean, Jean Genlin is the creator focusing. So he called those two places in the nervous system dead ends. We're able to have those um, felt shifts, which mm. is of that carrying forward. There's a, because when, when that happens in the body, when we get the right phrase, like the phrase that comes out, for example, in that, in those crying examples, then there'd be a shift in my body, be like, oh, okay, that's what that's about. Mm -hmm. Body feels lighter after that. Yeah. Yeah. And so focusing practice is a way of teaching us how to, to discern those subtle sensations in the body and then symbolize them with words or phrases. Sometimes they're images, some, and what happens is when the, the physical and the uh, symbol match, that's when we get those beautiful felt shifts that we go, oh, okay, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I I wonder for for our listeners, you know, if they have or audience, if they have never heard of focusing, this might sound like a daunting a daunting thing, like words and 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 so, um, you know, I'd love for you to share a little bit more to orient them, um, and I and I know you're going to lead us through a practice, and I wonder if there's any. Um, you've already been telling us a little bit about focusing. Is there anything else that you could share with our audience? Like any necessary orientation they need, or is it really just best to experience experience it firsthand? I guess the one thing I'll say is that it's really important to feel safe in the body. You can't focus when you aren't feeling safe and grounded. Um, otherwise, the, what can happen is you would just be triggered and go straight up into that flooded feeling or could you could shut down. And so it's really important if if we're new to an embodiment practice and we don't have um, many tools in our toolkit, for example, breath work or body scans, meditation, these ways of knowing how to ground so mm -hmm. other people like walks in nature. Um, if you don't have that, you, you want to kind of tread lightly into this because um, mm. sometimes if you haven't been looking here it, it, it can be um, challenging okay. and so we want to really uh, develop the skill of emotionally regulating of being able to notice when we start to have too much emotion and then be able to clear some space to get we call it get the right distance so to really just step back from whatever we're holding space for um, sometimes it's helpful to imagine um, it in 3D. So for example, there's yourself that's holding space and then there's the part of you that is speaking to you. And so mm -hmm. we can sometimes imagine them sitting on a bench in front of us or sitting on our lap. Um, that okay. can be helpful to create the, the distance. Um, and, and actually the, the, the first step of focusing, the, the first movement that Jean Genlin created is called clearing a space. And, in, and it's really a preparatory step. Okay. Um, and it's really about having yourself be in, in, the, in the body in a grounded way so that you're ready to focus. So we can think about it as if you were to do a painting, you would need canvas and paints and maybe an easel or um, a palette, for example. So we, we have to create the space. And, mm -hmm. and 
So clearing a space is a one way to do that. And we can do that kind of a bottom up way or a top down way. Mm -hmm. So kind of more top down way is kind of asking what's in the way of feeling okay right now and noticing what comes and then visualizing yourself putting it beside you mm -hmm. and that directly beside you, uh, kind of like a stack of books, or it could be in a box on a shelf, or sometimes we put the thing outside. So like out in the hall, um, outside the door. And we're just saying, okay, just for now, I'm putting that beside me. And when we do that, uh, not just in a visual way, but we really put it down, we feel that shift in our body. They're like, okay. oh yeah, for now, I've just put that down. And when we clear all the things that are in the way, then we have a space inside. We have some, it, it, that ground us so that we're able to bring one thing back in to, to spend some attention on focusing. Mm. The other way to go about it, to get, to get into that grounded and safe and social place is more bottom up. And so breath work, body scans um, are beautiful. There's a, a beautiful practice by David Rome called grounded aware presence, where we ground our feet and we could do that today. Mm -hmm. We notice sounds and other sensory information around us. Um, so we can become aware and then we yeah. cultivate that uh, compassionate way of being with ourselves. We call it the focusing attitude inside mm. and, and create that energy to, to be um, open and non-judgmental with something that's going to come forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in almost all the facilitation I do of like somatic awareness, I almost always start with just tuning into what we feel beneath us. So right now I'm on a chair and if, you know, an audience was on a, a bed or even walking with feeling the sensate, really feeling that sensation and tuning in and spending and being able to settle into and feel how much support is there. Cause even if I let go of all my muscles, this chair is supporting me. Yeah. And that simple practice is something I take into my life, you know, especially times that I might, you know, uh, be getting more activated, just that attention that takes a moment to feel, to feel the sensations of the ground, the chair, the bed, um, whatever it is there and feel how, how solid it is beneath us. Yeah. So you're going to guide us through that. And I'm, I'm curious because you know, if you were working live with someone and they got to a place where, where it wasn't a safe, a safe exploration for them anymore, mm -hmm. that you'd be able to help them a little bit more. And so I'm just wondering for our audience right now, because they're not in real time with us, you know, what advice would you give to them to make sure that they care for themselves and they need to stop the recording? Um, so, you know, to make sure that they, they have what they need going in and, and can take care of themselves because we're not directly there with them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so stopping the recording is a great thing to just pause. And then when you pause, what you can do is do whatever helps you ground. And so if there's a certain breath work that helps you, you could go back to that, um, go back to feeling your feet on the floor, like you just said, or the chair, the, the built environment that's supporting you. Uh, other things you can do is open your eyes and orient to the room, find something that's pretty or, mm -hmm. or calming, soothing. So for example, the blanket that's behind me has pretty colors for me. So I could look at the blanket and the blanket would, would calm me down a little bit. Um, feeling the getting more distance is helpful. So if you're, if you were starting to be with something, just letting yourself kind of walk 
away from it. Like just kind of saying, okay, I'm just gonna push it a little bit away and, and just pause can be helpful. And if you're doing the opposite, if you're actually shutting down, mm -hmm. if you're starting to numb or dissociate, then walking like movement is really helpful. And so pausing and taking a few minutes to walk around, maybe going outside, um, mm -hmm. you reactivate a little bit. Cool. And I wonder what advice you might have to discern when something is not safe versus, because I know when we do work and we're with something that can feel kind of intense in our bodies, like yeah. how, do, how, do, how would you advise someone to discern whether you know, what's safe or not? Or is that something, you know, that you could even advise generally? I'm curious. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to notice if you're still grounded, if there's a part of you that feels like if you can feel your feet, if you can feel some self-compassion, then, then you're asking yourself, can I be with this? And that's actually the question we'll ask, is it okay to be with this? Mm. Can you be with this? And if your body says yes, then it's okay. And if your body says no, then it's not. And it's as simple as that. And, and like all trauma, because um, usually when, when, when we're getting into territory where it doesn't feel safe anymore, we're starting to flood, it's, it's probably a trauma that's coming up. And, um, you know, there's no clear answer. One person will have, will have a very different experience. For example, um, I, I love in Bessel van der Kolk's book, the, the Body Keeps the Score, he tells the story of Stan and Uta who are in a car accident together. It was a very mm -hmm. foggy um, day and there was a big pile up um, and they did brain scans of their um, experience recalling the, the, the accident and yeah. one of them completely flooded and one completely numbed. Like they, very different experiences. We can go to those different places in our nervous system. And so, um, there's, there's no rule. We can't say, you know, this is what's going to be okay mm -hmm. and not. And, and similarly, you, you mentioned like, because uh, the audience is um, on their own right now, other than our voice says mm -hmm. here guiding yeah. them, I, maybe just for a moment, I could say a little bit about what the experience is like when you do it in partnership, because focusing practice is best done in partnership. Mm -hmm. um, there's something really beautiful about having space held uh, and something about the co-regulation that we provide each other, that we can go places with a, with a witness, with a guide that we can often not do on our own. Uh, mm -hmm. There are certain exceptions. There are people who I know who prefer focusing on their own, but generally speaking, most people prefer to do the practice with somebody else. Um, and, and probably a lot of that has to do with that when you're focusing on relational issues, yeah, um, the healing happens in relationship as well. It's true. And I can also imagine, because I know of years of doing somatic work, it's really helped me cultivate the capacity for holding space, even for things that are really intense. So the more that I practice things on my own, the more I have capacity to do that, which means I can you know, use, use the tools, use the attentional practice, not necessarily needing to go to, you know, a practitioner or even another person. I mean, it's, it's wonderful to do that and to also be able to have tools and capacity in our lives when things are really happening in this moment, in, in the busyness of life. Yeah, right. absolutely. 
Yeah. And, and that makes me think of like, how can we use focusing outside of the practice? It's like yeah. anything, something happens in life and you notice a physiological change. You can just pause and, and go inside, take a moment and just notice what's happening in you and do like a micro focusing. It's just what's happening. Where do I have sensations? What are they telling me? Yeah. So I'm really, really, I really wanted to get into the practice. And I just have one more question because, you know, the way we've been talking, the audience might think, you know, this is a really intense practice only to be used around trauma or something because we've been prefacing is with all this, you know, care around safety and about how trauma shows up. And I'm wondering if you can share, you know, why and when we would use this practice. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, so I'll say two things. One is you can use it for any creative process. So mm -hmm. we can really, uh, anytime we want to know our body's wisdom, we can use this practice. So it's not just about solving problems and looking backwards, but it's also about creating the future and, and how do I want to move forward? And, and there's a lot of wisdom that comes there. And Jean Genlin created a second practice, which is related called thinking at the edge. And that's a practice specifically about um, working with words and our felt senses to, to create. Um, and so we can really uh, utilize the body wisdom. And it's really our intuition, our, you know, our, the, the, we have these feelings that once we symbolize into words, then we have the insights of like, oh, okay, that's what I can do. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's really, a beautiful practice and i i find like we, we do mindfulness practice to be more mindful in general and yeah. i think thinking practice is a beautiful practice to be more like i would say call it, call it some sort of like embodied mindfulness like just much more aware of more subtle physical sensations that are at a level that we typically don't pay attention to mm -hmm. I, i've heard the term bodyful before i kind of ah. like that Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is, I mean, this is, this is what somatic work is, 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 is the attention. It's an attentional practice and we are practicing paying attention to things all the time, usually unconsciously, you know, that we're attend we're paying attention to something all the time. And these practices are about consciously turning our attention, which is what mindfulness practices are. And somatic practices are consciously attending to the sensations in our body. So some mindfulness practices are that and some are not. And here we're specifically focused on that because we really believe that being able to tune into the sensations in the body, the wisdom in the body that connect us to this present moment, to others and the planet uh, really matters, which is why you and I do this work. Wow. So. And staying with the sensations that that's a big difference in a lot of other practices we we notice and then we let them go and so there we're constantly um clearing and and, and focusing really differs um because we stay with and we say mm -hmm. oh what do you want to tell me mm -hmm. <laughs> and we stay with sensations until they're uh, until they're complete until they shift mm -hmm. yeah okay well okay. shall we shall we go into you know yeah. um guiding the the audience into a practice to really like there's been so much around this and and to yeah. actually experience what what this could look like for them yeah so i invite you and the audience to either close your eyes or lower your gaze whatever feels comfortable and 
we're going to begin by just noticing our brow. And if you could just soften your brow. And then your eyes. Softening the eyes. And the jaw. You might yawn. Or you might notice your temples and you might want to give a little massage. And then I'll invite you to bring your attention to your neck and shoulders. And notice if you'd like to roll them. Sometimes it's helpful to visualize just letting the weight drop off, just sliding off your body. And then I'll invite you to sink down into wherever you're making contact with your chair or wherever you're being supported. So your sit bones, your thighs, your feet. And you could notice how the floor pushes back on your feet. How the chair holds you. And you could say to yourself, grounded. And then I invite you to notice any sounds in your space. This might be inside or outside. Natural or man-made. And then you might notice smells in your space. And the clothing on your skin. Finally, the air on your skin, on your hands, on your face. The breath at your nostrils. You can say to yourself, aware. And then I invite you to put your hands on your heart, if you'd like. And we'll take a few deep breaths. And I invite you to imagine that you're breathing through your heart.
And I invite you to cultivate the focusing attitude. And so this is a way of being self-compassionate, open and welcoming to whatever wants to come, non-judgmental, kind to ourselves. Just check, how are you doing in your body now? Do you feel grounded and calm? Oops, there's something in the way of that. And if there's anything in the way of you and just feeling fine right now, then I invite you to imagine yourself putting that beside you at just the right distance. So that might be quite close, or you might want it across the room or even outside the door. So what's in the way? Once you've put it down in the right spot, noticing how your body feels differently. And if there's no change, then you're probably still holding it. So I invite you to try again, to really just put it down for now. You'll come back to it, you can let, you, let it know. Just temporarily clearing some space. And you can ask your body again, is there anything else in the way? Sometimes we have five or six things. And if you're feeling clear and grounded right now, and I invite you to ask your body for a, a word or a phrase about what it's feeling at the moment. And if you're working on clearing space, you can ask again, is there anything else in the way? And I'm gonna go on now, but if you still need some more time to clear space, you can pause the recording and, and take that time. So now we can ask the body what wants my attention right now? And it might be one of those things you've just cleared. One of those might wanna come back. 
or something completely different might come. And typically it starts with some sort of vague, murky, subtle physical sensation. So we're asking, what wants my attention right now? We're just noticing. Where do sensations come? And when you have something, I invite you to really describe it. Beginning with where it is in your body. And what size it is. Is there a shape? Something like a golf ball or a grapefruit or a long tube. And then noticing any other qualities in the physical sensations. There might be a density. Maybe it's warmer or colder than the rest of you. Maybe it has a movement quality like a pulsing. And sometimes there's a color or a sound. So as the felt sense begins to form and get to know it, you might notice if there's an emotional quality to it or maybe a few. So we could slowly begin to symbolize it. And then I invite you to ask your body, what's this all about? What are you trying to tell me? And inviting your body to give you an interesting word or word combination, sometimes a phrase or a metaphor or an image to let you know what it's telling you. What is it wanting you to know?
And you might get something clearly and quickly, or there might be many options coming forward. And so if that's the case, I invite you to go back and forth between the physical sensations, and they might be changing as you do this, and the symbol options that are coming forward. Going back and forth until you feel like, yeah, that's what it is. That's what this is. Once you know what it's about, you can ask your body what else it wants you to know about this. And here I invite you to really notice how the physical sensations change. Are you still in the same area of your body? Did your word or phrase or image Make it shift completely. Maybe you're in a new area of your body. Or maybe it's still unfolding. So asking it, what else does it want you to know? And then if it's a problem that you're working on, you could ask it, what's the worst about all of this? And if it's a more creative challenge, you could ask your body, what's really important? And again, noticing physically how your body responds, any subtle sensations. And then we can ask a final question for now. And that would be, what does it need? What does your body need?
And when it feels complete, you can take a moment to thank your body for whatever wisdom it shared with you and thank yourself for taking the time to listen and to pause. Then when you're ready, you can come back to Twyla and I. You're muted. <laughs> yeah, when I was saying, and, and for me to come back to. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. What a gift you have space held by you, Annette. Wow. Thank you. And I, and I don't want to spend time sharing about my experience um, right now. Um, what, uh, yeah, I, I wonder if you have any final words just about that practice before some final questions. Anything that you'd love the, the audience to know? Yeah. Um... I guess I would say what's really important is to ask open-ended questions of the body, mm -hmm. really where magic happens. And, and that there really aren't that many questions that we need to ask. It's, uh, it's really about what's this about and where's the issue and then would it, what would better be? What would, what would the future look like? Um, mm -hmm. And and I guess the, the one thing that comes up often is that when we start to look at the future, what, what an action step might be, especially if we ask that question, if we ask specifically what, what might a right next step be, mm -hmm. that, that sometimes the mind will slip back in and, and we'll have like our, if you will, already always listening answer will come up. And so we really need to notice if, we, um, if we're still listening to the body. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's. That's, that would be the one thing to notice is, did you, did you pause? Did you wait long enough? Did it really come from the body? Mm -hmm. and, and how would you guide someone to discern, you know, where, where that's, where yeah. the answer is actually coming from, or are they completely separate? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, one, if it comes really quickly, it probably came from your mind. Um, mm -hmm. And if it's really familiar, like, like, of course, I'm thinking that. It's like the old way of thinking and, um, and change happens when we do something in a new way. We see things in a new way. There's some sort of paradigm shift. And so if it doesn't feel new, if it doesn't have a, a feeling of relief with it, of like, oh yeah, that feels better. Then it's, it's probably um, hmm. old ways of being that are, they're sneaking in. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank you. So, you know, this, this practice that you led us, you know, obviously was something where we needed to pause. So, you know, for somebody watching or listening, um, in order to really practice, they needed to be able to, to be somewhere still and close their eyes. So it wouldn't have worked, you know, if they were in the middle of life, driving, cooking, whatever, whatever, um, is happening. And I, I'm curious if there, you know, what, what tips or tools or techniques or how to apply kind of this orientation when we're in our life. Um, and it's, it's wonderful when we can make the space to pause and sometimes it's not possible. You know, we're, we're in the middle of something and um, what, what, uh, yeah, what would you guide mm. the audience 
to to apply this in a way that they could take it into to what's happening yeah yeah um well first i want to challenge a little bit that it's not possible to pause there's often a way to pause and that could be going to the washroom or um you know it's sometimes we need to learn to say i just need a moment um and the time out like it's it's especially when if it's an, an interaction with somebody it's like i just need a moment to think about this or there, there's ways of asking for a pause yeah okay and and i mean of course if you're if you're driving or doing something that i find there's as we learn to spend more attention with our with the embodied sensations the it's kind of like you you turn up your intuition, your intuitive powers, and things will flow through you um, without needing to really practice so, so mm. quickly. Um, but that there is power in, in doing that practice so that when you are out and about that, you're more aware of the subtle. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and if you can't pause, Sometimes it's it's more a factor of noticing afterwards and and then taking a moment to pause when you can pause. Right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't like the way I reacted to that person um, and my response. Let me focus on that to figure out like what happened there and unpack it so that next time um, your body might respond in a different way. Mm. And it, and if somebody was you know intending to take a pause and cultivate you know, practicing this orientation, you know, how would they, is there a way they could do that on their own? You know, this was nice having you guide us and, you know, we don't always have access to be able to yeah. put on a recording or work directly with someone. So what, uh, what could somebody do? Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important to learn what helps you feel safe in your body. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's a little bit different. Most people will find nature soothing some way. Um, and so we can, we can cultivate um, memories is one way to do it, is to go back to a memory that you knew, that you know felt safe and calm to you and to have a visualization to get there. Um, but other, like I've said, breath work or body scans, like some people will be um, helped greatly if they hold their breath. For example, there's a breath called the four, seven, eight breath where you breathe in for a count of four through your nose and you hold it for seven and then you breathe out for a count of eight. But mm -hmm. some people don't find that soothing. So it's really a practice of experimenting and noticing mm -hmm. what works for your body, what, what is soothing. Um, and, you know, it can be counterintuitive. For, for example, mm -hmm. people uh, who have ADHD, they need a bit more movement to be soothing. So for them, calm is not, does not look the same as somebody else who, who might um, not move and that is calming to them. So it's really about learning what feels calming to you so yeah. that you know, when, when you notice that you're starting to be activated, that you have something in your toolkit that works for you. Yeah, yeah, and that's some of the intention of, of this series is to be providing some of those tools and so people can hear from different practitioners and hear different techniques. And so you've just been sharing a little bit about you know the grounding aspect of it and i'm curious also about you know the capacity focusing has to um to gain insight and is there a specific 
you know, some, uh, uh, you know, a practice somebody could do like certain questions or something they could ask of themselves um, as they move through life when they notice they would like some to, to connect to the wisdom in their body, um, yeah. whether it's for creativity or for shifting something. Yeah. Well, it, from my experience, the wisdom comes in those felt shifts that I talked about where your body feels different. Um, and that happens when you're symbolizing. And so it, there's, there's different ways to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But the main thing is to just notice what you're sensing. And mm -hmm. we can intuitively kind of know what questions to ask because it really is, um, do I know what this is about? So if I don't know what it's about, I'm asking questions like, what is this all about? Why mm -hmm. is, what happened? Um, when did this, when did I start feeling this way? Like you're exploring that. And then once you know what it's about, uh, a beautiful question to ask is, does this feel familiar? Um, so is this the first time I experienced this or are there memories connected to it? And that's the way to go back. We didn't do that just now, but ask if it feels familiar is a way to go back to, to the first time you felt that way or other times you felt that way. So you can investigate the patterns um, and, and learn about how um, something is affecting you. And, mm. and I would say the more, the more something is traumatic, the more you would want to have a listener helping you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we're listening to ourselves, one way to do it is um, kind of to blend it with a meditation practice. I've done that many times where we'll just sit. And then when something arises, rather than clearing it, we can just hold space for it. Mm. And that, and that can be a good way to, to go about it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And from what you've guided in the, the limited in knowledge I have of focusing, there always also seems to be an orientation towards asking questions like, um, you know, what do I need to know about this? You know, questions where we're asking for new wisdom to arise. So not just what this is about, because that's what I heard you also guide myself and the audience through to, you know, what's there and then what, what else is a response or new information or maybe some other sensation that balances this in a way we hadn't previously seen. Yeah. So often there's other questioning that any, any specific way that you'd guide people to, to tune into that or questions that would be helpful to ask. Yeah, we can ask, um, what's in the way or what is a part not wanting for us. So sometimes we know we don't want to have this, but we don't know why, but there's, there's often um, it's not just a two part thing. There's like maybe three or four things in us that are interacting. Um, and so there can be kind of like a tug of war. There's like a tension where one part wants to go forward and one part doesn't. And it's, it's about discerning what are those different parts. Um, and, and often those parts will live in different parts of our nervous system. They're, they're protective parts and one, and one has more fight energy, for example, and one says no, <laughs> retreat, retreat and, and hide. And so um, dialogue is, is, is a powerful way of noticing what's active. So what, what are the thoughts in your head connected to this? Mm -hmm. um, 
and really identify the different parts. Mm -hmm. um, and then other questions are, you know, there's some provocative ones like what's ready to die, for example, like, is there a part of you that's, you know, in the way really of achieving our goals? Sometimes we, I think very often our personality developed in a way to protect us. Mm -hmm. When we're little, when we're children, we cannot um, do exactly what we want, essentially. And yeah. so we, we develop these personality types. So, you know, for me as a child, I was a, a perfectionist and, and still am probably way too perfectionistic, but way less than I used to be. Um, and over time we realize, okay, that's getting in the way of other things, of our well-being and our happiness. And so it's, it's about um, finding the parts of us that are grounded and compassionate and confident and courageous. Um, I love the eight C's of self-leadership, which come from Internal Family Systems by Richard Schwartz. And the, the other C's are things like calm and clarity. Mm. Um, and so we can really cultivate those, those parts of ourselves as resources to, to bring forward into our practice um, to find those other alternative ways. And, and what happens when we do that um, is that those protective parts feel like, oh, okay, there's somebody else here. <laughs> there's an adult with those C qualities and I can, I can um, you know, I can, I can take a sabbatical or retire. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the important thing to note is that these are practices. You know, it's not, you know, a singular journey to get some final place. This is continual practice ongoing as we move through life and all the things that change through it. And so um, I think it's helpful not to, to be trying to get somewhere or think we should do this once and it's done. You know, this is about cultivating our attention. And then so, so like you shared at the beginning that you can bring this in and you have the capacity because you practice that attention. So um, you know, you've shared a practice uh, people can do by listening and some of the ways they can cultivate that attention um, through their lives, ways that they can pause and care for their body and questions to keep cultivating and practicing more uh, attention to their body and what they're feeling. And, um, you know, I also, we didn't speak so specifically about, you know, your work um, uh, you know, the, the work that you do. And so before we end, I'd love you to share with the audience a little bit more about what you do. So if, um, and how to get in contact with you. So if the, the audience do want to do some, some work with you and, and work with somebody who has some expertise that would love to learn more about focusing, you know, how can we find you? What do you do? Um, yeah. and share that. Sure. So I teach focusing. So I, I have a variety of workshops and courses that show people how to do this practice. And I especially focus, focus, <laughs> mm -hmm. concentrate my energies on showing people, teaching people how to listen in partnership because it is so powerful mm. and building that skill. And, um, and very often what people do is in, in the class, they meet people and then they, they form ongoing partnerships. So, you know, you, you mm -hmm. learn the skill and then you can ongoingly meet. Um, and have a, a partnership. And some people meet for years and years, like decades. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a really beautiful way of creating connection and, and community. 
Um, and I also have a changes group, which is a drop-in way of coming and practicing focusing. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's a couple of things and uh, they're all on my website. My website is pupa.ca, so P-U-P-A. Pupa is the generic name for a cocoon or a chrysalis. And mm. it's a, a metaphor I use uh, for change. Um, and so a lot of my work is to help people transform something in their lives. And mm. whether that's learning to shift something with focusing or um, take on a bigger issue and over time um, tackle it with focusing. And if somebody goes to your website, there'll be more, there's links and more information about what focusing is and some, you know, covering some of the things we, we talked about today. There's, yeah, there's yeah. also a community, the community page has links to, for example, the Focusing Institute and Focusing on Board and these, there's other communities and other practitioners, there's lots of teachers out there uh, in different ways to learn uh, around the world. And uh, I also have some recordings on the exercises page. And I also uh, have a few recordings on Insight Timer. And mm. so different ways for people to explore. Okay. And so on the links, um, as part of this, um, this series, uh, I can share with our audience, you know, your website and these recordings and let them know. I didn't even say your full name. So just to let our audience know, um, <laughs> Uh, this is Annette Dubreuil. Am I pronouncing? Is that the correct pronunciation of your last name? Yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today, for your wisdom, um, for your care. Um, yeah, for and for being part of this this new series um, to really give people tools. Um, mm -hmm that uh, support what matters to them in their life. Thank you, Twilight. It's been a pleasure to be with you and I'm mm. honored one of your first guests. Yeah. Best yeah. of luck. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Soma-ing. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are moving forward with new tools to be aware of the experience in your body and knowledge of how that can support what matters to you. Somaing episodes are also available in video format on YouTube by searching Somaing. I'm Dr. Twyla, your host, and until next time, remember, you can Soma anytime and anywhere.